Yeah, I think that uh, listeners should tune into the show today so they can get a better understanding of mental performance training and what that can ultimately do to help lead them to the best version of themselves and change their life for the better, kind of like how it has done for me. All right. Welcome, everyone, to a new episode of the NeuroFlex podcast. I am your host, Toby Passman. On the show with us today, we have a very special guest, Austin Halcom. Austin is a certified mental performance coach with a master's degree in mental health counseling and sports psychology. He's also the founder and owner of Prime Performance. So Austin, really excited to have you on the show with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, absolutely. So I kind of wanted to start out just by, you know, kind of hearing, you know, the order in which you sort of did your education. Did you start with the master's in mental health counseling or did you do sports psychology first? So I had kind of a different approach to getting where I'm at compared to, I think, a lot of people in the field. So I had actually started out at IU Bloomington um, wanting to be a physical therapist. So my degree, my undergrad degree was in kinesiology and then biomechanics. And I was really focused on the study of human movements and how we, how we move physically. And then during my junior year, an undergrad, I actually took an elective class, just it was supposed to be one of those classes, hey, easy A, jump in there. Uh, it was anything but an easy A, and the class was actually titled sports psychology. So that's what kind of like interested me in it. I got in there, and I'll backtrack a little bit, I had experienced burnout at a very high level in high school. Um, wanted to go play college sports, ended up not doing that because of the burnout. And then as I took this sports psychology class my junior year, one of the first topics we discussed was burnout. And instantly I knew that was everything that I had experienced in high school. I didn't know it at the time what it was. Um, and from then on, I was just completely involved with sports psychology, mental health, everything like that, wanting to get to know more about it. So talked with my advisor, ended up figuring out that IU also offered a master's degree in sports psychology with mental health counseling in there as well. And so I, from that day on, I made the switch and ended up staying in Bloomington for another two years after I got my undergrad degree and finished up my master's in two years um, in mental health counseling and sports psychology, which led me then to getting the certifications and going through some of the licensure and stuff like that and getting me to building my company. Okay. And in terms of that burnout that you realized that you had gone through in high school, but you sort of learned about within that class, like, tell me what were some of the symptoms you were experiencing at that point? Yeah, so burnout is defined as the extreme physical, mental, emotional exhaustion of the human mind and body. At the time in high school, I didn't know what it was. I just knew that I was waking up, not feeling like myself mentally, physically, like any type of little hit that I was taking in basketball games or any type of running that I was going through or training. It felt like it was hitting me five times harder than it had in the past. And like emotionally, I was, I, my emotional regulation was pretty off. Like I was pretty rough with my emotions too. Um, and it's something I wouldn't wish upon my worst enemy because it's just very, very tough to go through. And that's why I find mental health to be such an important topic to me today. But knowing now what I know, had I had somebody to work with me on that or had I went and sought help through that, um, I would have had the tools to be able to combat those things I was going through because I was training almost every single day of the year and I hadn't realized that I rarely took days off and that just is what leads to the burnout or what led to the burnout for me and um, ultimately led me to kind of give up on my dreams of playing college basketball 
just going and being a normal student. And um, in hindsight, you know, I, I'm blessed that that all happened. And I went through that because it's led me to where I'm at today. And I'm now able, able to teach teams and athletes and coaches about burnout and all the other things that come with mental performance training and then in the mental health realm as well. Awesome. And yeah, in terms of sort of countering that burnout, you know, I'd, I'd be curious to hear, you know, what you found kind of helped for you personally, and then also just what you found has worked with the athletes that you've ended up working with in terms of, you know, what, when someone does reach that stage, how do you, how do you reverse that? So burnout, the one true way that I believe helps, and, you know, I actually just experienced work burnout a few months ago. Um, the one true way that works is to just completely take time away and back off and just kind of go do your own thing, relax a little bit, do things that you enjoy, that you're passionate about, that excite you outside of sport, or if it's business outside of business, what it, sometimes it could be social and relationship burnout. So just kind of getting away um, from those environments and just kind of doing the things that you enjoy are really the best way to mitigate burnout or to help with burnout. But if you're in the middle of your season or you're in the playoffs, of your sport, it's really hard to say, Hey, I'm going to take a week off or I'm going to take two weeks off and just do nothing uh, because obviously your team needs you, or maybe your boss needs you to be in that, that week for work. If, if, if it's environmental work burnout. So there's other things, there's meditation, which I've found to be extremely helpful for some of my athletes, which is where they get their 10, 15, 20 minutes, however long they want to go. Um, they'll sit in an office with me or I'll, I'll kind of give them the tools and say, hey, here, here's a link to this uh, meditation session that I think will be beneficial for you. So it's maybe waking up early in the day or having a midday uh, meditation session. Other things like yoga, which doesn't always excite everybody, but is one of those more relaxed type um, stretching environments that they can get into and just stay within their own thoughts, kind of relax a little bit, release all the things that they've been thinking about. And just kind of go through um, a physical type meditation, if you will. And then other things, just going out. And I tell people having mini vacations for yourself. So if you're training a lot and you can't find the time to get away, maybe it's, hey, this weekend after practice, go out and kind of do some things that you like to do. Or, hey, before, before your game, go out into a restaurant and eat your favorite meal, whatever that may be right before a game. Just do things that you like to do. Simple little things like that. All it's doing is just bringing you into a more positive mindset and then really bringing you more into the present moment. Because what I see with a lot of burnout is that people are focusing quite a bit on the past and they're focusing quite a bit on the future and they're not focusing on the present moment. So they feel like there's a lot going on in the present moment when there's really not as much going on as they think that there is. And that kind of makes perfect sense with you explaining it that way, why something like meditation would be really helpful because like the whole idea what I envision of like mindfulness being like where you're really focusing on the present moment and really not you know trying to pay too much attention to the past or future which is what you're saying is kind of what is resulting in in the symptoms of burnout right yeah exactly and it, you see it all the time in athletics uh, especially is that we as athletes are really focused on results and we're really focused on the future things that are outside of our control and one of my main concepts that I teach is control the controllables or control what you can control and I really want my athletes to be present moment focused not focusing too much on past mistakes and failures and not worrying so much about the score on the scoreboard or what entails in the win-loss column because we have zero control over the win-loss I won't say zero. We have very little control over the win-loss. We have very little control over our statistics. We have very little control over our playing time as athletes. 
And so it's really important for them to understand those things that that's outside of your control. But if you can control things like your energy, if, if you can control things like your hustle, if you can control your positive thinking, your emotions, being a good teammate, there's a lot of things that are within our control. And I tell my athletes, you know, the more that you do those things at a high level, and I've even got my checklist that I give them before games sometimes is if you can control these things, you're setting yourself up for success. The more that we can control them at a high and an elite level, the more likely we are to impact the non-controllable things, the more likely we are to increase our statistics, the more likely we are to win the game, the more likely we are to get out there and force the coach to give us playing time when we might not be getting playing time. So I'm big on the present moment. I'm big on controlling what you can control. And I think that that's just in one of the simplest ways of being able to help boost your performance to the next level. So I'd like to give kind of like an example that, I, that just comes to mind when you're talking about that and kind of see how you'd go about managing, you know, sort of, sort of the mindset of a player, say like you're, you know, in a game, say it's a football game, you know, your team's gotten down, it's, you know, 21-7 starting the fourth quarter or whatever, you know, it's like, it's looking not too great and those thoughts start setting in, we're going to lose, we're going to, you know, this is going to jeopardize our chances of making the playoffs, like whatever it might be, you start getting in the future, you start thinking about the past of, oh, you know, if we had scored, you know, the touchdown that we should have in the first quarter, we wouldn't be in that position, right? Like, what do you do at that point? Or what do you encourage players to do at that point to like get in back into the present moment to give themselves the best opportunity, you know, to actually win the game? Yeah, it's, uh, I think it works out best. So with a lot of my contracts and the teams that I work with, we go through, multiple sessions of me sitting in there with either the whole team or a leadership group. And that is when I'm really teaching them the skills, the techniques, the concepts of mental performance training. We really normalize the language on what it is that I'm trying to teach. So much like a coach would be yelling out plays or strategies or, hey, do this, this or this. I'm doing the same thing to normalize language. So when they get to that fourth quarter and it's 21-7 and they're down, and they're starting to lose confidence or they're starting to give up, which I know in sports, it happens all the time. Comebacks are a part of it. Um, that's where we start to say, hey, let's focus on deep breathing. Let's go into our present moment focus. Let's do this, this, and this to attack this one play at a time because three plays from now, you are not going to be able to change the game. You can change the game on this play here, and then you can change the game on the next play when you're in that moment and so on and so on. You're not going to be able to score however many points to take the lead on this one play here. Maybe once you start to score a few, then you could, but it starts with one moment, one play at a time. And that's really where I start to have them sit down and I would say, hey, let's focus on our deep breathing here. Let's get present moment focus. Let's go out there. Let's attack this one play at a time and let's get going. Sometimes it's verbal cues. Sometimes it's hand signaling that I can do that. The more that rapport that I have with my athletes, the more trust I have from them, the more things that I feel that I'm, I'm able to do uh, to help it click for them and, and get them to where they want to be and where I feel like they need to be. Have you ever heard of brain photobiomodulation before? Photobiomodulation involves red and near infrared light energy being absorbed by the mitochondria in various tissues in the body, including the brain which is packed full of mitochondria. Some of the benefits of brain photobiomodulation include enhanced mitochondrial function, increased blood flow, increased cellular energy, reduced inflammation, neuroprotection, and neurogenesis and synaptogenesis. 
the growth of new brain cells and new connections amongst those cells. This ad was sponsored by Roscoe's Wetsuit Neuro LLC. Roscoe's Wetsuit Neuro LLC is an applied neuroscience company bringing premium neurohealth coaching and targeted neuromodulation services individualized to each client's unique neurophysiology. Check out roscoeswetsuitneuro.com to learn more. And in terms of, you know, kind of talking about, because I feel like uh, burnout, you know, actually in, in sort of some of my research just for this interview, you know, I found that uh, there's a statistic about 35% of elite athletes suffering, um, you know, from burnout at some point and it manifesting as, you know, different disorders, you know, particularly like depression and anxiety. And that's something I think, you know, has come to the forefront just in terms of the media, you know, focusing more players, maybe speaking out upon just their experiences with dealing with mental health issues such as those. I just wanted to kind of hear your perspective on, you know, kind of how just the overall mental health fits in just with, with like athletes and other ways to kind of improve, uh, improve mental health. Maybe if we're talking kind of a more holistic picture encompassing more than just burnout. Yeah. I think taking a holistic approach to everyday life is maybe one of the more beneficial things that has ever happened to me in my life. And I'll refer to the book that completely changed my life at the end when we go with the resources and stuff. But for me, um, having the athletes buy in on a holistic approach is extremely important. And I think that I, I like to lay it out. When you look at sports, your physical on the day of a game is pretty much set at what it is, whatever training you have done in the past, how much weights you've lifted, how much running you've done, your physical is what it is. You don't get to just go do a workout an hour before a game and lift a ton and run a ton. And then you're bigger, faster, stronger for the game. Now on the mental side of it, to kind of get back to your question here, our mental is consistently changing. They might wake up the day of a game and they might not have got a lot of sleep the night before. So they might be more agitated. They might be, uh, lower in terms of mental capacity and mental fortitude in terms of going out there and competing. Um, something might happen. They might be going through a breakup that day in terms of relationships. I like to ask my athletes if they're in a relationship because then that's one of the factors I'll assess for first thing on game day when I'm trying, when I see that something's kind of off with them, other things, there might be stuff going on at home. I think that that's one of the biggest things that I've seen, especially in lower SES type um, environments and schools, there are a lot of things and athletes come and talk to me about this. There are a lot of things that are going home, on at home in their personal lives that coaches, that teammates, the teachers have no clue about. And they bottle that up and they hold that in and, you know, it affects them mentally within the game. So I really try to preach a positive mentality over and over and over again. And I don't like to dive so much into the research, especially with the populations that I work with, because they don't always understand it. And it can get pretty boring at times when you dive into the numbers and the research, you're like, yeah, this, this is what's going on here. Um, Cause people are not as passionate about it as I am. And I get that, but it's as simple as just looking at the thoughts, feelings, behaviors model, which is essentially just like a triangle. And it's your thoughts affect your feelings, your feelings affect your behaviors and your behaviors affect the other two as well. So if you're looking at one, it affects the other two in one way, shape or form. So if you're thinking negatively the day of a game, you're starting to release cortisol. 
And then you start to feel emotionally more negative and then you start to behave more negatively, which I say is performing more negatively. Does that mean that you're going to fail if you're thinking negative? No, but it's a much more likely chance that you will fail as opposed to if you're thinking positively and you're in a good headspace, then you're releasing serotonin, right? And then your emotions are a lot happier. Your behavior is a lot happier. You're, you're more fun to be around. And that also helps with the team environment. And then you're much more likely set up to be successful in your performance, but you still have the opportunity to fail, even if you are thinking as happy and as positively as you can. And that's just sports. And I think that's the thing that really uh, makes me passionate about the mental side is it's not a one size fits all. And it's not always going to be uh, everybody's always going to be bought in and it's always going to lead to results. So you got to kind of work with them and figure out what is their bread and butter? What, what gets them going, what helps out the team. And that's what makes mental performance coaches really beneficial because the coaches might not always take the time to, to want to figure those things out, the personality types, uh, the motivational factors, the internal, uh, everything that they've got going on with their athletes. So that's what a mental performance is really, a mental performance coach is really, really beneficial for. And, and just, kind of thinking based off some of the stuff you were saying just about, you know, like an athlete, uh, you know, their relationship status, how that, how just the rest of their life that, that we don't like, you know, as, as fans of sports that, you know, so someone like myself watching a game, like have, you know, I have no clue whether that player just went through a breakup that morning or whether, you know, uh, the family member is sick. Like it's, it's, I guess, you know, how, how do you know is it something that kind of needs when when something like that does come up is it something that needs to just kind of be compartmentalized and just being able to remove you know okay this is this is my these are the real life issues I'm going through but there is a game to play and I'm gonna like you know do everything I can to just focus on the present moment or like what what sort of the approach when there is you know all this external stress in in, in an athlete's life there's a lot of different avenues that you could go down. And I found that, like I said, there's not a one size fits all with everybody. And you just, the huge benefit is knowing your athletes and them knowing you and figuring out what gets them going and motivated and focused. And so some athletes, they schedule me before games and they're like, Hey, I would like a five to 10 minute session. And they're regularly on my sheet prior to game time. So from the time that school ends or two to three hours before their game, we'll have a five, 10 minute conversation. They just come in, they talk, they let everything off of their chest. It's not therapy. It's just two people talking and they, they feel much better. And they're like, okay, I got that all out of the way. I'll go out and do this. Others, they've got a lot of things that are more long-term that are affecting them. And it's okay. Let's focus on our verbal cues. What verbal cues are we going to be working on throughout the game? Self-talk. So it might be positive self-talk. It might be instructional self-talk. It might be motivational self-talk. It might be thought stopping self-talk all those different things, um, whatever it is that I work on with the athlete, you know, it's me reminding them when they come off the field or maybe they're out there on the field and I can even yell it to them or give them some type of signal. Let's focus on our verbal cues. And that gets them present moment focused, maybe for just a split second, but sometimes in sports, that's all it takes. It's just a split second. And so every single play, if I'm reminding them of that, then they're that much more focused and they're not thinking about that external stuff that's going on. Others, hey, let's get in here. Let's continually work on deep breathing. Every time they come in, maybe if it's football, every time that they come off, if they're on the offense and the defense is out there, they're sitting on the bench, we're working on our deep breathing just to get them more calm, release some of that tension. Maybe they're pent up and there's a lot of anger going on with whatever their situation is. Let's do our deep breathing. That way they're just a little bit more calm. The tension's down a little bit more as they jump back out there on the field because tension is the number one thing, the number one cause of cracking under pressure. 
And so maybe that's a big help. Other times it's mental imagery. And a lot of athletes, I work with them early on, and there's a lot that goes into this because you have so many athletes and everybody's different. Um, in mental imagery, it's let's figure out where your happy place is. And that sounds so cliche, but it works. Whenever I have the athletes, you know, I, sometimes they're closing their eyes. Other times they're visualizing themselves out there on the field. They're projecting themselves out there as like a hologram out there on the field. And they start to see themselves in a much more happy, calmer, peaceful environment, psychologically and mentally, that brings them back down to what I call a practice level, because you're practicing all week at these certain chemical levels um, on game day, it brings them back closer to that practice level, which is what we really want our athletes to be in during game day, when everything is raised from external environment, opponents, pressure, whatever's on the line. Got it. Now, Austin, what what about when it comes to like internal tension within a team, you know, and we talk about the different like personalities and just different things going on in different people's lives. How does that kind of come into play when, you know, you've got a team sport where the success of the team is reliant upon, you know, all of these individual players sort of cohesively getting along with one another, at least in terms of, you know, on the playing field and hopefully I guess off the playing field too. But, but just, can you talk to me a little about, just sort of within a team and, and how that, that structure affects things? That's a great question. And not a lot of people understand that the team aspect plays a huge piece on each individual's performance. And I've worked with quite a few teams on culture building and being able to handle adversity and failure as a team and being a good teammate and building that up. And so I really like to, and it doesn't always work out because sometimes I get called in the middle of the, in the middle of the season and I don't have a ton of time to build those relationships. I don't have a ton of time to do all the different things that I would like to, if I were to work with the team for an entire year and they know what I'm about, they know what I'm teaching. Um, but for the most part, I think it's extremely beneficial to have a leadership group, a leadership committee. And I do that with almost every single team. I request leadership guys or girls from the coaching staff. And I let the coaches pick because they know their athletes better than I do. People that I can go to when stuff is not going our way as a team to help bring everybody back into a more positive mental state, into a more positive environment. And so sometimes it's as simple as, um, having people understanding the cues to remind us, okay, that's me being a bad teammate. I need to flip it around here and get back to what we've been working on throughout the summer or what we've been working on throughout the preseason. Other times it comes to the point where things are happening preseason or even in the middle of the season. And a coach is like, I have no clue what's going on. I really need some help here. And that's where I sit down my leadership committee or maybe the entire team. And I'm saying, what is going good? What is going bad? Let's hash it out right now. Everybody just tell me what your thoughts are. This is your opportunity to be brutally honest with each other. Let each other know what's going on. Sometimes it could get really hairy. Other times, once they leave, they start to see that it's extremely beneficial to them. And that's where I'll even write it up on the board. I'm like, Here, here's the good of what everybody's doing. Here's the bad of what, what's going on. Sometimes, you know, people are calling each other out and they're like, well, this guy's doing this. This guy's doing this. And that's where I'm there to kind of mediate it. It's not group therapy. I mean, it kind of has the benefits to it, but it's just a bunch of guys or girls or whoever's on the team chatting, letting each other know what we like, what we don't like, what's the solution, what's the resolution, what's going to get us to that next level, get us back to championship level form. And once we see it all on the board, like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm doing a lot of the good and I'm doing a lot of the bad. I need to do more good and do less bad in order to help the team, no matter if 
you're the best player physically, or you've got the best stats on the team. If you are one of those culture killers, you may be one of the lesser players on the team in terms of team success, because you're really breaking down a positive environment, which I believe is one of the most important things when it comes to championship level and elite level performance in group sports. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I feel like you see that time and time again with, with, you know, trades and a player getting put on a team that, you know, they, they were a superstar, but then suddenly it's just like, it's, they might still be putting up the stats, but it's like at the detriment of the, the team overall, because yeah, they just don't fit in cohesively. Um, I wanted to get back, like, like in terms of one of those situations where you're talking about, you know, you've got a whole team kind of sitting down together, you're leading them through, uh, or, or just kind of putting everything out there on the table. And you're talking about, you know, sometimes it can get pretty hairy. Other times it can be, you know, successful. Like what, what do you see as like the factors that determine whether a team can successfully move through those difficult times and kind of reach, you know, uh, really just grow rather than just, you know, everyone going at each other's throats and, and, you know, not, not really much progress being made. I think it's important to understand with that, that things are going to pop up. Things are going to happen. There's going to be adversity. There's going to be people on the team, maybe even coaches that don't like some of the things that others are doing. And there's going to be problems that are going to arise, even in the middle of a game. Sometimes, even if you have the most positive team, sometimes stuff happens that are out of our control and it really drives us wild. And we want to have conflict and there is conflict that happens. So to figure out how your team is going to react in certain situations, the best way to do that is to get to know your team from a personality basis. I have some teams that they are extremely positive and I know that if something were to happen, I trust them to be able to figure it out on their own. I don't have to do a lot of coaching. I feel if I'm doing a lot of coaching, I'm doing my job wrong in those sessions when I'm teaching them and educating them on the mental skills and techniques and concepts. Other teams, I've got a lot of elite level athletes and most of them are hotheads and they believe that they are top tier dogs on the team and they want to be the best, which is great because they have an internal drive that's really hard to teach and they have a passion for the game and being successful. But I know if something goes wrong, it could completely derail the entire rest of the game that they're in. So you have to figure out your athletes. And I think kind of go to go back and answer your question here, being able to do a lot of group work early on. So I do a lot of group, group um, cohesion work. I do a lot of group activities. Sometimes they're like, why are we doing this? Other times it's like, okay, that was actually pretty fun. I try to incentivize them to show up and do these things, um, especially with the leadership groups, but it's a lot of team, team building and team chemistry and just them being in the same environment or breaking off into teams with people that they might not like as much as some of their buddies that are in their class it's really beneficial psychologically and subconsciously for when we get into those environments and things start to go the way that we don't want them to. And that then is when I'm able to use some of my keywords or I start to use some of my language or I start to say, Hey, as a team, five seconds, we're going to take one big deep breath here, get present moment focused. And we're going to let that go in the past. And one of my mentors, Graham Betchart, um, he has a really great concept and I've, I've loved this concept. It's one of my best I've ever heard. It's called next play speed. 
And I learned this in working with him with teams across the globe and Zimbabwe and India and Singapore. We were working with coaches and Graham had kind of taught this. This was the first time I'd heard it from him. And it's essentially when things are not going our way, failure happens, adversity happens, you know, how are you going to react to that? And so he teaches next play speed. It's how quickly can you accept that failure? Can you accept that adversity? Can you accept that conflict with your teammate or your coaches and move on to the next play? Some people, it's as quick as five seconds. They're really great at their next play speed, getting on to the next play, which is then the present moment. Other people, I have athletes, it lasts the rest of the game. I have athletes, it lasts the rest of the season. They just cannot let things go. And so I think it's really important to, I have always have, an entire day on failure and adversity training for those specific reasons. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting just to think about the parallels just with, with, you know, life outside of sports too, just in terms of that being such a difficult thing for a lot of us to, you know, be able to let things go and like, you know, just learning that as a skill. Um, but then when you kind of get better at doing that, you realize how much like mental capacity, I feel like it frees up to just, get on with the rest of your life and do everything else that you would be, you would have been wasting all of this, you know, kind of you devoting all these like mental resources to, to something that's, you know, in the past that you can no longer control. Right. I wanted to ask you, you know, I know you're obviously in the space of, of, you know, working with athletes, mental health and, and, you know, uh, this whole sphere, but when it comes to just like looking at the broader landscape of, you know, sports, both, you know, amateur and professional, um, do you see there being enough sort of like mental health mindset, sort of like resources for athletes? Is it something that, um, is it, is it neglected? Is it something that at this point, is it, you know, do you think it's properly like mental health conditions within athletes? Do you think they're properly diagnosed and treated? Or is that something that, you know, can still like kind of go ignored. So when I first started and when I jumped into this field, I jumped into it because like I said, I had burnout. It was one of the worst things to ever happen to me. And I became very passionate about this field at the time that I made the switch. Mental health was still taboo. You were still weak. If you sought out mental health um, expertise and people didn't talk about it. And I never even knew that there were such things as sports psychologists or mental performance coaches. I honestly had never even heard of those until my junior year of college. And I don't know how. Uh, but with that, I, I am starting to see a very, very, very nice change in pace and mindset where as I'm talking to athletic directors or I'm working with coaches or, you know, parents, especially, they just want somebody around that is able to help with their child's mindset or that's able to help when it comes to mental health or that's able to help bring them to the next level or if they've got issues going on, help them with mental blocks and stuff like that. So I don't know how much this answers your question, but I, I, I see a huge change in pace when it comes to these resources being readily available. And there are not a lot of CMPCs out there, certified mental performance coaches it may look like it in terms of numbers, but there's less than a thousand certified uh, CMPCs right now. That's all over the world. And then on top of that, the mental health resources, you have your counselors, you have therapists from time to time, but in athletics, athletes are still relatively unwilling to go work with somebody and talk about 
feelings and emotions and things that are going on performance wise, because they might not relate to that person. So uh, I, I think that there are a lot of resources that are being put together. I think there's a lot of funding that's coming together to help hire people like myself and sports psychologists. I will tell you within the last two years, since I've been here in Indianapolis, the amount of opportunity has probably gone up tenfold since I first moved up here because of the pandemic and because people are starting to hear about mental health and mental performance and they're starting to understand the benefits of it, not just from the mental health side, but even just from a mental performance side, it doesn't have to be all about depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts, which are extremely important. Don't get me wrong, but I think that people think that they have to have a problem in order to seek help in this area. And that's just not the case at all. Like there are a lot of different things that we as sports psychologists, mental performance coaches, everybody in this field uh, can help raise their level and help consistently give them something to fall back on when their mentality dips a little bit or they're not mentally right on the day of a game or, or whatever the situation is that occurs. Well, it's great to hear just, you know, the progress that just you've, you've witnessed, you know, kind of, uh, as times progressed, I wanted to ask too about, you know, just, you know, with my work being in my field of, of neurophysiology research and just seeing how many patients or clients that come work with me who have had, whether they be diagnosed or undiagnosed concussions, head injuries, you know, that sometimes they're not even aware of. And then we do, you know, uh, a, a brain scan or brain mapping on that person. And we see how certain areas of the brain are, are very much impacted and, uh, you know, how big of an impact, you know, I've just had such an appreciation for how big of an impact, you know, head injuries can make. And I just kind of wanted to see if, if you've noticed that, or just kind of what role, you know, when you're working with an athlete and they, you know, maybe get a severe concussion or, or you, do you ever like notice like personality changes or any sort of changes that you have to then deal with when it comes to, you know, dealing with dealing with head injuries? Oh, absolutely. And I actually have experienced multiple concussions in my playing career as well. And just from a personal perspective, I, I did feel different. I mean, one of my concussions was a little bit worse than the other, and they actually both happened within about a month, month and a half span. And so I was on serious watch for my third concussion and I was going to be shut down is what my doctor had told me if I had experienced another one in that same season. And I think that the personality side of it is because there may be some headaches or you're frustrated with not being able to get out there and train, whatever it is that then affects how you think and feel and behave. And on top of that, you're probably not getting a lot of great sleep when you have a concussion. Um, other times, you know, I talk to athletes a lot about the brain. They don't always like to hear it, but I like to give them some backstory, you know, like the human mind and the human brain, it's only, it's not even probably 50% discovered and probably like all the things that are going on in there, probably even less than that. I'm, I'm not sure. I've heard statistics. It's around 10, 20% that we've actually discovered of what's all going on in the human brain. And I'm sure that the is up for subject and opinion on what the percentage is, but it's relatively low. Like we don't know everything about the human mind and the human brain. Like I tell my athletes, you don't know what it can do in your advantage. And when it comes to head injuries, uh, there are a lot of things that are going on that are well out of my realm of expertise, but it's important to have the athletes understand that, Hey, you've experienced something very traumatic. And I'm a big trauma guy when it comes to uh, everything physical and mental 
I'm like, Hey, you've experienced a trauma that is then going to affect your emotional. That's then going to affect your mental. And it's certainly going to affect your physical in some way, shape or form if the other two are being affected. So it's all about letting them know that a concussion or any type of head injury is a trauma and being able to make sure that that is taken care of first before you can go back out there and start playing at an elite level is extremely important. Awesome. Now, Austin, I, I wanted to kind of switch gears a bit and, and kind of ask you just sort of, you know, with, with your, just everything that you've learned and in your specific training and education, you know, when it came to putting together your company, Prime Performance, just talk to me a bit about how just everything you know about, um, you know, performance and, and uh, you know, just, just kind of group dynamics and whatever, in terms of like forming a company, like how did that, that work with athletes on the field? How did that kind of translate to putting together a, a successful company? Yeah. So the things that I teach are what has led me to, I think, rocket my company to what it is today, this early on in my career. And the more that I focus on my own personal mental and my own well-being and do the things that I'm actually teaching and preaching, the more I start to see that positivity, all that stuff coming back to me twofold. And I, I really start to see that benefit my business. So my business, I've hired on an assistant recently. I've got a few people that help here and there, um, but it would not be successful if I was still in that burnout stage. It would have never taken off the ground if I hadn't experienced that burnout back in high school because I would have never been in this field. But if I'm not doing well, like I went five straight months where I was working seven days a week. And I had mentioned earlier that I had experienced work burnout. And so I needed to take a step back. And if I can't focus on myself, then I'm certainly hurting my athletes and my coaches and the organizations that I work with. But in all reality, I think it comes down to the approach that I've taken, like I mentioned earlier, that holistic approach and being able to understand that there are things that are very much within my control and there are things that are very much outside of my control. And the more things that come my way and they don't work out how I want them to, the more I'm motivated to go focus on the things that I can control, which then leads me to a different avenue, which then leads me to a different contract. And I'm a huge believer that the more good that you put into the world, the more is going to come back to you. And so I really just try to do good. I got into this field because I was passionate about it, because I loved it, because I wanted to teach and let other people know about it. I didn't get into it. There was, there was no set jobs whenever I jumped into this. There was no, hey, you're going to be making hundred thousand dollars a year right out of the gate there was nothing to incentivize me to really jump into this field aside from the fact that i was passionate and i really 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 wanted to help people and i find that the more that i help and the more that i give my services to and the more that i i reach out to different people and impact other people's lives the more it then impacts my life which then impacts my business's life so you can see it's kind of like a cycle here and uh it's it's been really great i feel very blessed to have my company where it's at and today, uh, where we're at today with it, and I'm, I'm ecstatic for the future with mental health and performance and sports psychology as a whole. 100%. Well, on that note, Austin, um, you know, it was, it was awesome having this conversation. And, and for people who want to find out like more about your work or connect with you, where would you direct them to? Yeah, so you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Austhalk Prime, A-U-S-T-H-A-L-C Prime, P-R-I-M-E. 
I've also got a website, primeperformancecoaching.com. Um, you can also reach out by email if you're wanting to learn more. I always love connecting with people and talking to them. A-U-S-T-H-A-L-C at gmail.com. And yeah, those are probably my best avenues of getting in contact with me and learning about what it is that I do. Perfect. And we'll include links to all of those down in the show notes. And uh, for those of you guys who did enjoy the show today, I would love it if you could leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and go ahead on and subscribe to the podcast, to the Neuroflex podcast on whatever audio streaming platform that you enjoy, whether that be Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, we are on them all. So Austin, again, I want to thank you so much for just sharing all of your knowledge and expertise with us today. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on. It was a good time.